Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. One of the best parts of hosting this podcast is I get to talk to people doing trips I've long thought about. Uh, So I'm excited today to talk to Richard Cresta, who has actually done two of the trips I want to do. Most notably, this last summer, he started walking the legendary E4 uh, with his wife. Now, the E4 is a 10,000-kilometer walking trail that goes from Spain all the way through Europe to Cyprus. Uh, It's going to take him three summers to do the complete route. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Richard. Thank you for inviting me. So uh, this is such an incredible trip you're doing. Can you just maybe tell tell the listeners a bit more about the E4 and what, what the route is? Well, the E4 is the, the European long distance trail number four. There are about um, eight or nine such uh, trails. And as you mentioned, uh, the trail is starting in the most south part of Spain in Tarifa going through France, Switzerland, Germany, Austria, Hungary, uh, Serbia, Bulgaria, Greece, and ending in, uh, in Cyprus. It's about 6,000 miles altogether. And it's it just, just an incredible, incredible route. Looking at this, like I know some, some walking trails in Europe, you know, you're walking on, you know, mountain paths or, you know, dirt tracks or some of the ones you're, you know, just kind of walking beside the road. For the E4, you know, what kind of mixture of trails is it? Well, the E4 is created out of existing ways. It's just connecting national parks on its way. So you always have a, a national park, then uh, you have very normally a little bit of boring route to the next national park. So it's just uh, using existing path. Uh, excellent. Why did you choose the E4? Europe is full of all these incredible routes. What would the E4 just, you know, caught your fancy? Well, I don't know. My wife picked it. Uh, (laughs) I know that feeling myself. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, my dream was to walking uh, in the US, but uh, for the Pacific Crest Trail, we are too old. Uh, I think the Appalachian Trail is too crowded. And so we decided uh, to stay lonesome in uh, in Europe, and sh- she uh, just uh, did study all these European routes, and she decided uh, we will go E4 because this way is touching countries we don't know yet, like Bulgaria, Serbia, Hungary. This was her decision to. Uh, to visit countries we don't know yet. It's funny talking about a 10,000 kilometer route. That's easy uh, <laughs> because it obviously isn't, but uh, looking at the maps, you know, you, you, you don't go through the heart of the Alps. Uh, for the section you did this year, I'm sure there's lots of hills and whatnot, but, but it sounds like it's more walking than hardcore trekking. Is that a fair assessment? It's uh, much more... Uh hiking, then uh, there are not uh, many tough mountains to cross over. It's always about uh, 500 to 2,000 meters. 
so what's what's an average day for you walking on on the E4 in terms of you know how long do you spend walking you know what's the distances you do and and where do you end up staying at the end of each night? I planned the whole trip and uh, I made the day distances of about thirty kilometers. This is about uh, eighteen miles, I think. 16, 18 miles. At the beginning, this worked uh, fine. We are getting up at the 7, we starting at 8 o'clock and we finish about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But as it uh, was getting hotter and hotter in the summer, we just reduced our distances down to 25, 20, 25. We mostly stay in hotels and bed and breakfasts. We uh, have our tent with us, so from time to time we use our tent. But uh, to be honest, I like to have a shower and I have to like a beer and a nice meal. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned the weather because truly, you know, for the route you were doing in southern Spain, you know, you had daytime highs and, you know, above 40 C. Uh, or at least that's what it seemed here in Canada. This was a really hot summer. How did you manage? So you reduced your distance, but I imagine, you know, having to carry extra water. Did you also kind of break up your days so you're walking at different times of the day and not, not out in the afternoon heat? Yes, let's go to the beginning in February. Uh, our plan was uh, to have easy trips with, uh, with our tent because the average temperature is about... Uh, 60, 65 Fahrenheit in, uh, are you using Fahrenheit in Canada or Celsius? We're Celsius. So yeah, when Fahrenheit is the one, I, I, I know miles and kilometers, but Fahrenheit is one I never can never figure out okay. how hot that is. I did not know that this was uh, different to the US. So it's a much easier for me in this case. <laughs> we have our equipment is ultra light and we don't like to wear heavy bags. And therefore, we had our summer equipment because we thought in March in Andalusia, the most south point in Europe, it will be uh, nice and warm. And I really checked all tables. But what we didn't know, what nobody knows, this was the coldest spring ever in Spain. Oh, wow. We had snow in April. We walked through snow and... Uh, and then in, uh, we went from winter direct into summer. Degrees near Barcelona and in France in uh, July we had 42. Ouch. We started hiking five o'clock in the morning and we ended uh, at noon. We find hotels which uh, took us early in the in the room and uh, so we really we replanned every single day and uh, we had to carry more uh, more water of course because uh, the sources were dry on the on the way it, uh, the grass was yellow and it uh, it was really hot really really hot i'm interested that you planned you know each day so meticulously so the plan you came up with before this hike did you actually do the same distances and the days and stay at the same places as you planned or did it change as you went along it Changes about thirty to forty percent. Uh, we we had to, to to change. It started not being able to uh, use the tent in in March because it was too cold. Our uh, equipment is up to ten 
10 degrees Celsius and we had the coldest morning was minus four. Oh, chilly. Yeah, so we had to really to, to replan because we couldn't use our tent. So it was a real adventure. Uh, seven, seven hours hiking and two hours replanning every day. Oh, really? But it was not. So in, in terms of booking your B&B or your hotels, how far out would you be booking those? You know, would you kind of the day before book your next night or would you kind of book a week in advance? I'm not the guy looking for a hotel at night. I'm tired. I will uh, have a shower and therefore I, uh, I book in advance. And if there are weekends, you have to book before the weekend. Otherwise, it's fully booked. If you see Easter is coming, you have to uh, book 10 days before. Normally, we booked two or three days before. And this was uh, just nice. Having done lots of, you know, trekking in uh, and through hiking in Europe, one thing I've always been amazed of, or, or not amazed, but, you know, frightened by, are, you know, massive dogs. I remember in the Alps twice I've been chased down by past two, which are those enormous, white, violent dogs. I know um, these guys. But, you know, <laughs> you weren't in the Alps. Like, are dogs an issue in other parts of, uh, of Europe on, you know, doing, doing long through hikes? I know the dogs, and I know that there might be some dogs uh, without owner being nasty to you. And therefore, I bought one of these ultrasound dog chaser sprays. There are little, uh, little sprays, which uh, if you press it, it makes a really uh, noisy, noisy noise. And uh, we really used it once. We uh, in April we had to walk through the snow we could not we could not see the the way marks and we ended in a in a farmhouse where no people were around but the two two dogs and the dogs really attacked us and uh, so i used this uh, this ultrasound and uh, the dog was scared and my wife was shocked because it's really noisy <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it really worked use a pepper spray or should you use ultrasound i go for ultrasound and i used it uh, one time i was talking to a, a guy that walked the length of morocco and one of the biggest issues was every town on the outskirts there's all these kind of wild dogs that are attacking and so he learned how to defend he said always keep a pocket full of stones like you know mid-sized rocks and he says yeah when the dogs come here just huck a handful of rocks and that was his way I've never heard of this ultrasonic, but uh, I like the sound of it because, yeah, like dog attacks. I've been attacked by a dog uh, once and kind of chased by these past two a couple of times. And, yeah, dog attacks are horrible and they're violent. You know, if you get a rabid dog or a, a wild dog, it's it's actually really traumatic to, uh, to have to deal with. So I, I'm, gl I'm glad it worked for you in the farmhouse. Yes, we were glad as, uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not like to do it every day, such uh, adventures, but... Uh... Five months later, it was uh, it was fun. This route, are you meeting lots of walkers while you're doing this, or is it more kind of like a solitary, you know, where you might meet some day hikers and and whatnot, but there's not a bunch of people doing the same route as you? In Spain, Spanish people don't walk. <laughs> Absolutely not. And we walked for days without seeing anyone. 
we were really all alone on this 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 route for for weeks because it was uh, March. As it uh, came into May, June, we sometimes met some day hikers. And uh, as we arrived in France, there are more day hikers. And as we arrived in Switzerland, I think hiking is Swiss national sport number one. There were too much hikers in Switzerland <laughs> because in Switzerland, you have to greet the hikers. You have to say grazie, grazie, grazie all the time. <laughs> I didn't know that. And the way it works in the Canadian Rockies are if you're kind of in a remote part where you see somebody once every hour, then you got to greet them. But if you're on a busy, busy trail with hundreds of people, you don't it kind of kind of the social norm is you don't have to say hi to everybody. Uh, but it sounds like it. So I, so in, in, in Switzerland, because I'm going there next week off to be saying great see every time I see somebody on a yes. on a trail. Not standing still and talking, just say great see. Uh, all uh, otherwise it's it's rude. Or they know that you've coming from abroad. <laughs> Um, so, so, so your journey this year, you went all the way from Tarif in Spain and you ended up in what part of Switzerland? In, at, uh, at our home, uh, at our, uh, in, in Holstein, uh, where we live, the E4 is 10 kilometers away. And so we just, uh, took a, uh, took a turn to the left side and, uh, went to our home. How convenient you walked home from from Spain, uh, going through all these different places, are, were there some places that really surprised you because they were so so beautiful? Kind of, you went through places that you know, for most you know most foreigners aren't necessarily on you know the bucket list of places to go walking in Europe. Yes. Uh, so, so what places surprised you or just you know amazed you? Well, first of all, in Andalusia, the town of Ronda, it's very well known. It's uh, really beautiful, the town. has nothing to do with hiking, but we, we crossed it and spent two days there. And then are a lot of uh, national parks in Spain, which amazing views because there are only five, 600 meters, but you can see uh, the sea from six kilometers, which seeing the sea is for Swiss, Swiss people, something very special and we really, uh, have seen the sea out of uh, of 60 kilometers some uh, some some days there are some white villages in 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 andalusia very nice little villages uh, we came to uh, to the sierra casola one of the national parks we crossed montserrat mountains near near barcelona uh, very beautiful we Crossed the Pyrenees, the Spanish Pyrenees, the French Pyrenees, up to 2,300 meter. Very nice view. We crossed the Seven. We went through the Ardèche, uh, this the Canyon of Ardèche by 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 canoe two days, uh, which was very beautiful as well. And at the end, we uh, hiked the Jura Mountains in Switzerland, which are parallel to the Alps. And we have seen the all day the Mont Blanc and the Alps, Eigenmönch, Jungfrau. This was, uh, we, and uh, we felt we are coming home now. So a lot of nice places. Just hearing, you know, all the places you went through, how often were you taking rest days just to, you know, relax and recover? Uh, six days hike, one day rest. 
whenever possible. So every seventh days we took uh, took took a day off. Excellent, excellent. This is you have a three year plan to hike the entire E four. So next year you start obviously right at home, which is you know super convenient. And and where does your route take you next year? I think we will go to to Belgrade in Serbia, which is about the same distance like we did this this year. But uh, we did not talk about hiking the last uh, two months. We will do this discussion in the next weeks. Maybe we go a little bit uh, closer, maybe only to uh, to Hungary, to, to, to Budapest. But we, we are sure we are going keeping on, but we did not make the planning so far. It's either Budapest or it is Belgrade. And then in your final year from Budapest or Belgrade, Belgrade all the way down, and then you take a ferry to get to Cyprus, or how do you get to Cyprus at the end? Yes, no. You, first you go to to Crete, the biggest island of Greece. You have to take the ferry. I think you have to f- take the ferry back to uh, to Piraeus in Athens and take another ferry. What we don't do, we are not flying. We are doing all on on train or by no, it's train or or by or by ferry. We are not using uh, planes when we hike. Now, now this is an incredible trip, and uh, I'm interested. You know, how did you prepare? You know, a lot of people they want to do these trips. They're you know, they're worried about how they get started. You know, I've always been the person that when I do these things, I kind of get fit the first week on the trail. Uh, you had a bit of a different approach. And and so you kind of trialed, you know, this trip last year, didn't you? We are often uh, hiking long distance uh, paths. And we know uh, that after the first day, uh, it's easy. The second day, you feel the first day. And uh, the third day, you nearly not knocked out. But from the fourth day on, you get in the mood. So, but we wanted to test our equipment, our backpacks, and so we went for the Vialpina in uh, in Switzerland. Actually, one part of uh, of another way, one week, and then we just uh, went further by the Vialpina from uh, from Montreux on the Lake of Geneva, and this is crossing the Alps. And yeah, so the Vialpina, I think, doesn't it go over 17 passes? You know, it's been one of the treks I've always looked at it being, you know, something really interesting. What's it like, the Vialpina? You know, it, it seems like you're, you know, climbing up a pass every every day or every second day. And so it have a lot of elevation gain compared to what you did on the E4. Okay, complete other thing, but, uh, you know, as we planned to make a try, there were Corona and no way to go abroad. So we uh, had to hike in in Switzerland, and therefore we uh, took this via Alpina, which is very nice. Normally, you sleep down in the valley, and the first thing in the morning after the breakfast, there is another breakfast. You go up, and in the evening you you go down. You have, if the weather is okay, you have beautiful views. Your uh, you are crossing Eiger, Mönch, Jungfrau. It's, uh, I, I, I did it the second time now uh, uh, last year, but uh, it's one of my favorite hikes. 
everyone knows about the Tour de Mont Blanc. A lot of people know Chamonix de Zermatt, but you know, the Via Alpina, the GR5, the GR10, they're these incredible mountain walks you can do that are a bit longer that, again, I've never done the Via Alpina, but it's always just been one where at some point I'm going to, I'm going to do it because it just seems spectacular taking in the whole, you know, variety of, of walking in Switzerland. Yes, and we and it's very crowded. I did it ten years ago and was very lonesome. But last year it was uh, really crowded. Uh, there were a lot of people from abroad uh, with tents because Switzerland is uh, expensive. I've been told, <laughs> and, uh, and so the young people uh, they have enormous distances. They told me about thirty. 32 kilometers in this topography this is enormous and they sleep they sleep on the mountains on the passes and uh, well i can really recommend it it's uh, it's 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 beautiful uh well it just it just sounds stunning um now now one thing you're uh, on on your website uh you mentioned that you're 63 i think and your wife or you're 65 I'm 65. My wife is 63. And so, looking at age and you know how how it impacts you on a trip like this, you know I, I've heard people that you know they say, "Oh, I'm in my 50s. I don't think I can do a walking trip anymore." Uh, I know, you know, I remember you know uh, walking in the Alps and I did the GR5, which is about 750 kilometers, and there were people in their 70s that were running it. And I'm just thinking, here I am, you know, I was 35 at the time. And I'm thinking, boy, I want to be the guy who's 75 and decides to run the GR5. Um, but how did age impact you on, on this trip? Well, age impacts not only on trip, age impacts us in life. So because uh, our brains are still young, I think, but our bodies are getting weak, slowly, but weak. So I can't do the distances I made 10 years ago. What I still easily can is going up, going down. What uh, I get difficulties if it's going steep down, I'm because I think my bones will break more easily than uh, than the, than with uh, with the young people. So I have to take care uh, if I go down and. Uh, I'm, we are slower than we used to be, but uh, we are still fit. We are machines. We could, <laughs> uh, we could walk for hours, but we are walking slower than we did. And, and, and so someone who's, who's thinking of, you know, doing a longer trip, something like the E4, maybe not 10,000 10, kilometers, but someone who, you know, wants to do some walking who, you know, is older, is, is your advice to just, you know, readjust your expectations you're not you know 30 anymore to try not to do as much or like 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 how did you pre prevent injury because even for younger people doing long through hikes they have you know they get knee pain or or they you know hurt their ankle or they get lower back pain how, how, how do you address all this and like what's your advice well we had uh, a little bit back pain uh, but we had no accidents this is important I never had injuries from walking. I had injuries falling down or uh, slipping out. So we are just lucky and we are really grateful that we have this uh, with health being able to do this. 
We really we can walk for hours without any problems. The only problem would be if we are falling down. And we did on this trip uh, I, about nine million, nine million steps, and we fall down five times together. Not at the same time. But, oh, uh, <laughs> that's like that's incredible. You both fell at the same time. No, 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 no. Uh, I think uh, it was uh, my wife fall three times and me two times with this, which is okay. But if you're falling in the wrong place, then uh, it's. But we don't thinking about things like this. Now, in terms of you know keeping active over the winter because you're going to hit the ground, you know, starting next spring. Do you do you work on like staying active, you know, all winter so that it isn't such a acceleration from kind of winter where people are, you know, spend more time inside, so it's easier to get started in spring? We are always doing hiking. We are at least we are making one hike a week in the Alps. This week I made two uh, hikes. I went on the Torrenthorn and I went on the uh, Eichmannhorn. On the weekend, we are doing a trip near our house because the Alps are really crowded. And in uh, wintertime, we are walking with the snowshoes. So we are always doing something. But even if you don't do anything, if you're doing a very long trip, uh, then you will get fit during, uh, during the trip. If we are not uh, in a good mood, we in a good shape, then we start with 15 kilometers, 20, 25, and then we are uh, fit again. Yeah, it's interesting. I noticed um, uh, the first year of of Corona, you know, lots of stuff was like the national parks here in Canada were closed. And uh, when winter came, I do a lot of backcountry skiing. It was really hard to get stamina and get going in backcountry skiing, and I realized I had actually lost a lot of my fitness just with with the summer. And then talking with others that don't do winter stuff, they find that each year, each summer, they it takes longer and longer to kind of get fit because you know doing walks around the city uh, aren't aren't the same as you know going backpacking or or things like that. And so I think you know just this idea of trying to be active all the time and not just leave it for hey here's one week of skiing and that's gonna you know, get me fit. The idea of what you're doing when you're active all the time is 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 really beneficial. Yeah, that's true. But one point of the older age is that you are having less time between hikes. To third, you could hike uh, a hike and then rest two two days, uh, two weeks, and after two weeks, I was still in form. But now, uh, two weeks uh, doing nothing brings me back to with my with my fitness. So this time period is getting shorter. Uh, I remember I talked to a trainer, and his comment was, "Regularity is the most important thing you can do. Like having five or six, you know, average or bad workouts a week is way more valuable than one really good workout because you're training your body and the kind of the concept, which seems to be exactly what you're saying. So uh, that's something I've been trying to incorporate with myself is just do things more often. Um, so for people who are thinking of hiking the E4 or want to do like a really long through hike, so not not just, you know, a one month or a couple of weeks, what tips would you give them? Well, don't do it uh, if this, if this is your first trip. Go first for a weekend, 
sleep once in a hotel, go for then maybe a week. This is uh, a thing we are doing long distance hikes for 10 or 15 years, which is not really long, but we are used to it. But we are, were always restricted by our vacations. So either we have made two weeks or three weeks. And now as we are retired both, we have really time to do a long, a long trip. I would tell the people, just do it. Not from zero to five months, go <laughs> to a weekend. Uh, maybe it's, it's not that fun as, as you might think. Uh, so we have done it often weeks in the Alps, uh, in Portugal, in Spain, all over. So we knew what we are doing and uh, it was a great time and we had nothing to organize than our bed. Uh, we just could walk and this was for us like a road, like one of these road movies. Instead of a car or a motorcycle, we just walk. We had our backpack, we went to the hotel, drink a beer, eating. In the morning we got up and uh, 20 minutes later we were on the path. And this is what we are liking so much on the long distance hike. You don't need to travel to the place you start. You don't have to travel back from the place at home. You're always on the road and this is uh, why we are doing such long trips and we will continue it uh, next april i think you know I, I couldn't i couldn't agree more there's something just so nice of waking up and then you know having breakfast getting your boots on and walking somewhere and having lunch and then walking somewhere and being in a new town and it's funny i've never met anyone who does a walking holiday or a biking holiday that doesn't fall in love with with this type of of you know exploring or, or holidays whatever you call it it's just so wonderful to you know not have your phone beeping away not have anything to do just such a simple life you know get on the bike get your get your boots on and go and explore and you have all these wonderful little surprises every day is full of all these you, you know little wonderful experiences that you didn't expect you have a great you find a great bakery or you have a great coffee or you see the little town you knew nothing about and it's um, it's just such a wonderful way to to explore. I, I often often just think I wish we get more people just to try, you know, try one of these trips because it it really changes everything about you know uh, at least you know for me and people I talk to kind of changes your life to you know really be you know happier and more joyful and you know simplify your life, um, which it sounds like that that's something you experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, really uh, prefer, and, and we are doing it now because maybe really uh, one day you are not able to do it. So we just do it now. Uh, Richard, uh, this was great to hear from you. And uh, I, I'm always super inspired. I hope when I'm 65, I'm out kicking butt on the E4 uh, like you are. Because uh, it is it is a great uh, a, a great endeavor, and I've been following along on social media with your posts. Uh, and I just, just say thanks for coming on the podcast and talking about the E4 and the VLP. And I really appreciate it. Yes, much a pleasure. Thank you very much, Richard. Now, if people want to learn more about your journey, uh, where can they find find information? 
Well, on our website, we uh, blocked the whole trip every day, one, uh, one other story. And this is on www.hikinge4.com. Hikinge4.com. There you will find all our stories. I'll put a link in the show notes. And yeah, it's, it is great. And there's, you know, some, some older posts about the Via Alpina. And this is just a great way. If you want to learn what it's like, if this sounds like a great a great way to explore Europe, which it is a great way to explore Europe, uh, definitely check out uh, hikinge4.com. Uh, and the link is in the show notes. And with that, thanks for listening to another episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review? Better yet, subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10adventures.com where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure.